Welcome or welcome, Adam. I'm so yeah. excited. I'm so excited we're doing this. We have known each other online for some time now. I don't, I'm not good with this stuff, but I have been following the things you're doing. You've been following the things I'm doing. Um, we got to collaborate on something, which is very exciting. And I'm just excited to sit down with you virtually and talk to you about all things Pensafonish Deitch and modern Pensafonish Deitch. I don't know how to say modern and Pensafonish Deitch, but um, punk rock, right? Dead Milkman, all of the things. Um, Absolutely. Adam and I have probably been following each other for a year or two or so, but um, Burke's, what was it? Burke's Quarantine, what was it called? I forgot. The quarantine open mic or something. I don't yes. know. I feel like we both kind of just found each other through the online Pennsylvania Dutch community and yes. uh, some of the the artists in that group that have been stepping forward the last couple of years. Um, and you know, just some of the 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 friends that we have in common that are both that are doing really great work to yeah, try to preserve and put the the community out there. Yeah, for sure. But I do want to notate, I saw you on Burke's quarantine live showcase thing. I can't remember what it's called. And you play a Dead Milkman song, right? Yeah, it was. And um, I was like, fuck the yeah. Guitar song. <laughs> yes. Because I was a gigantic Dead, Dead Milkman fan, like huge, when I was like 13, 14, 15. On. Yeah, you said you followed them. I did. And I lived in. Bristol, which is very close to Philly, and my friend and I would spend a lot of time in Philly at the truck and all the different places, um, and I ended up meeting Joe. It was a moment for me. It was very, very exciting. I love the Dead Men so much, um, but now looking back, some of their stuff is like super offensive if you think about it. I'm like, oh my god. I can't sure. imagine that. I can't imagine them coming out now, but isn't that punk rock? I wanted to talk to you about that a little bit because I'm just excited to discuss with you, like, your background. And I always get super jazzed when I meet another Pensafonish Deitch person who's, like, punk rock, too. So it always makes me really excited. And um, I know for me, Adam, because I was part of the diaspora Pennsylvania Dutch, um, I was growing up in Bucks County or whatever, I didn't have that connectedness to the culture through events and, and cultural experiences. Like, I felt in punk rock because I felt like a sense of not belonging. So I'm just curious for you, having grown up in this area, which please tell our audience, um, where did you grow up and did you grow up immersed in the culture? And, you know, what drew you to punk rock? Um, just generally, I mean, maybe just the music. <laughs> sure, sure, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> well, first of all, I grew up in Berks County. Um, I'm from a town called Mooresville, which is uh, pretty rural, you know, there's a bunch of cornfields going on. I got a barn in, a, you know, the backyard, which was um, a lot of fun to, to play around in growing up. However, not too many young people within walkable distance to, sure. to play around with as friends. Um, I pretty much just had uh, two buddies in town that we could walk to, so the three of us were best friends <laughs> and that's how that worked. So we would uh, ride bike, rollerblade or skateboard on the one sidewalk in town. <laughs> and um, how did I, so the Pennsylvania Dutch culture, I think I, my biggest exposure to that was probably through family 
I was very fortunate that in uh, on, on my mother's side of the family, um, we had a pretty large family and a lot of them stuck around the area and even just in the town of Mooresville, um, there were so many relatives that I could just walk to, you know, great aunts or, you know, second cousins or whatever. And my parents knew all the stories. Oh, we're related, we're related to this person who built these houses and now your uncle lives there. And, you know, um, I have a lot of family history in the, the house where my parents are still living, you know, my, my childhood home, which uh, I grew up in my entire life. Um, we're related to, I believe, the people that built the house and, and the, the barn I'd mentioned, which is in our yard, was, I believe, um, where, they, where they milled, I think, some of the lumber uh, to build some of the houses that are. So it's, I've got some pretty long history in there in Mooresville, and I really, really appreciate that. And one of the one of the biggest gems of that was right across the street from us was my grandparents, my uh, maternal grandparents, and my grandfather, my pup up, you know, he would c come home from work. He'd go for his walks with his camera and his cane, sometimes a cigar, and he. I don't think I ever saw him smoke a cigar. He would always just chew on it. <laughs> and um, he would often he would often stop by our house when he would come home from his walks and uh, just hearing him speak and just the, the 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 tone timbre cadence of his language the words that he used he would often he would often speak Dutch um, my parents uh, not too sure about my father's side I think my my paternal grandmother spoke a little bit of Dutch to us, um, but my maternal grandparents, uh, they both spoke Dutch well, and my parents, not so much. They would say some words and phrases every now and then, um, jokes, swear words, you know, <laughs> so that was something that I was always immersed in, and then I, another big culture I was in very early on is uh, theater and performance. Um, so I actually started dancing when I was two. Oh, wow. And um, started acting when I was eight. And it was just something that I had always, always, always done. And the area that I grew up in, <laughs> the, uh, the general opinion was that was not something appropriate for young boys to be doing with their lives. Yes. which you know, uh, somewhat early on, cast me as a bit of an outsider with the the rest of the, the group at, at school. And I think that formed the tangent that led me towards listening to underground music when I got into middle school and people started to get more interested in what their preference in music was. Hmm. And of course, at the time, that was 95, 96, 97. So, yeah. so much mainstream attention was given to that genre at the time. Hmm. I mean, there was so mm -hmm. much 
it was the, it was like the early pop punk stuff coming out of California. There was a lot of the great uh, New York like ska hardcore hardcore stuff. I was yes. really into. Me and, too. Yep. Uh, I don't know. We found this out around the lunch table, and you know we yeah. We, you know, <laughs> company lines were formed. We we ranked yep. and filed. And then, you know, started dressing the part. And then we all started uh, playing in bands. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't remember how going to shows started. Uh, yeah, where friends, would you, like, where would you see shows from where you so were, you know? We would go to Heaster's. Heaster's, Heaster's Lanes. Um, I have I no idea was, where that is. <laughs> I think it was every, every Friday and Saturday. Um, wow. Easter's Lanes was over by the, if I, if, if I'm correct, it's over by where the, the Tom Sturgis pretzel factory is just outside of Reading. Oh, okay. Um, it's been a while since I've been over there and I don't I know, believe right? they have shows it, but it's a bowling alley and then they have a bar and there was a little stage, uh, with like a black and white checker background and nice and the carpeting of the floor looked like that um movie theater carpeting that they have that, mm -hmm. that weird design that i don't know seems to to catch your attention as you <laughs> you walk along and somehow not stumble as your eyes are adjusting to the light again <laughs> and we would just go to these shows and there was all these kids just like us but also very different at the same time and and it was it was um it was just kind of a moment it, it was kind of uh a bit of a movement and i remember mm -hmm. for a while there was a really fun punk and hardcore scene in the reading area yes um, same in philly yes very good and yep. at, at this point, I have to give a shout out to uh, yeah, Frank Phobia. He was, you know, he's uh, just a huge, huge guy in the community. I believe he, I don't know if he started all that, but by the time that I found those shows, he was running everything. And to wow. this day, he's just, he, he does so much. He tries to do so much for the running community. He accomplishes so much. Uh, he and his wife, Jen. Uh, he's also in the band Anthrophobia. If you've never heard them, check them out. And he's also really doing some good work uh, trying to get a skate park going in Reading. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so he did Heasters. And then after Heasters, he also started uh, Wooden Waves and Sound Waves, which was this really cool complex. This was like, I don't know, what do you call it? Like a powder keg moment or something. This, 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 was, this, it was, this was such an explosive moment for the community. It was one huge building. It was an indoor skate park and a concert venue. What? It was incredible for, for wow. several, several years. And then I believe it, it just had some flooding damage, mm. which as you can imagine would be terrible for it inside. It was called wooden waves because it was all wood. You know, yeah. inside. And I, I believe they didn't recover from that. But, mm. and that was, like high school and early college for me. So it was just kind of the perfect time to get into that. Yes, it was a very, very, very wonderful moment for sure, for sure. And we didn't have cell phones. So like there was 
I don't know what kind of parents you have, but I know like I had a lot of freedom. So I just like would, I, I can't believe, actually I can't believe like I survived that era of my life because I was doing it to the ninth. I mean, in Philly, we had like a lot of um, underground punk and, and hardcore shows were at like VFWs and they got rowdy or, or we had like um, the old churches and stuff like R5 was happening. Oh yeah. Had, yeah, it was off the chain like it was crazy I can't like I know because my frontal lobe wasn't there yet that I was like able to like do all of these wild things but and I had my little Dodge 600 like driving on 95 like it was a crazy wild fun amazing time and I am so grateful for that because it really like being part of like like both counterculture and subculture like it's just a, such a cool experience then it just changes the way you view the rest of your life you know Mm -hmm. I have to say, because I'm sure you've seen it, I was always really one to talk a, a lot about the SLC Punks movie, because that idea of getting into the system and changing it, Patrick and I have spent hours discussing this film, because I talked to him constantly about, like, how do you navigate this position you're in with this, like, punk rock mentality that you don't really lose, like, you're getting older, but you don't lose that core, like, just seeing the world differently and doing things DIY like even in my position now things that you know they want a budget for but we can't afford it like you just do it like you DIY it you know yeah. marketing and stuff and it's just so interesting to me so I'm sure that you know what I'm talking about when I mentioned that and that it's it, it seems at least from an outsider perspective that you still hold on to that like core value set and, and we're both like college graduates I assume because you um, were an adjunct right um, and like even throughout college like I never lost that and uh, I still use it to this day. It just informs everything. And this is when I was like 13, 14, 15, you know, it's so neat. Sure. Yeah, I, 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 absolutely. That was a huge movie for me when it came out and, you know, still one of my favorites. Uh, yes. it, I, I don't recommend the second one. I didn't um, see the second one. <laughs> you don't need to. <laughs> okay, you got it. Yeah, you don't it. have to. I don't, um, I consider myself a very good audience member. I don't usually walk <laughs> away from things. I usually digest the whole thing. But that movie, I, I didn't make it very far into. Sorry for any fans of that one who are listening. Um, but sure, SL, I, I would have loved to have been part of that conversation with you and Patrick. Uh, oh, anytime, like Adam. A, a good one to dissect that movie. Um, and Patrick actually, uh, I, I met him. We we both attended Kutztown uh, oh, okay. as undergrads. And the first moment that I met him was the first semester that they offered a PA Dutch language class. And yes. I think we both just kind of accidentally sat next to each other towards the back, or maybe it was because of the similar t-shirts that we were wearing compared to everybody else in the class I don't know but yeah we um that, that that's how we met and that's how uh we became friends and acquaintances um and yeah so SLC Punk I, I kind of feel like that one of the big thematic elements of that movie is rebellion yes and with your question, and, and, and you know, the main character, he, he seems to be, you know, maybe struggling with his relationship with rebellion. And I think that mm. that's what it means to grow older as a punk. Um, <laughs> yeah, Because the, the 90s were not 10 years ago anymore. And no. um, I think oh, it's yeah, yeah. finding the necessary rebellion and not mm. every rebellion, you know, being a yes. rebellious youth 
is one thing, and then being a part of that uh, music culture or, or you know lifestyle culture adds uh, it kind of necessitates another amount of rebellion, and it was very chaotic and it was very testing of boundaries, but. Destructive our, too. <laughs> our roles change as we get older. We need to be the ones setting boundaries for other people, but mm. there are still plenty of areas to maintain that rebellion. There are still plenty of plenty plenty of good fights to fight. Yeah, and that's why. I, sorry, I, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, I was just going to end no. that with. I, I, I cut I, you off. I kind sorry. of. I, I kind of feel like we're. Um, I kind of feel like punks are a good generation of parents. Um, yeah. I don't have children myself. I've seen a lot of my friends who quote unquote didn't grow up or didn't grow out of it like everybody said we were going to. And they're kind and caring people and they take their kids to, to shows and their old punk friends are like, hey, here's this guy's kid. And they kind of adopt them. It, it is a family, you know? Culture yeah. is culture. and yeah whether it's you know passed down inherited or you find it or you adopt it for yourself uh i hope you have it go get it be part of your culture yeah. and stay engaged i was gonna say that's why i went into teaching because i feel it's so important to uh instill these values of rebellion because rebellion is very important to have that in you to be able to trust yourself and your instincts if something doesn't feel right whether or not you're being told you need to do something that's really important and a lot of kids don't get that at home uh they're they're meant to be obedient and and you know not speak up and i have some rebellious ass kids myself in my home but i'm proud every day because i'd rather them be rebellious you know because they'll be the ones fighting for rights you know um in the future generations but i love that point um i think the thing about punk rock and it got a little weird like in philly because there were shows where things were happening and you know um i actually this whole World thing i had like a flashback to the electric factory like i got oh. trampled dude i got trampled one time and it was not fucking cool like i was scared out of my mind like it is very scary but um mm -hmm. there were moments like that but generally speaking we had like a very tight-knit community and it was almost like making your own family and i think to your point especially like if you stay in the area where you were involved in punk which you clearly are still in a similar area um you know these people as you grow older it's, it's just nice to see that um just rebellion in the way you're supposed to parent it's so true it's like you know these classic roles of parenting and who goes and makes the money and who's you know doing certain jobs or whatever mm -hmm. i love to see it i totally agree with you it's very true we make a good set of parents and, and unlike my that, yeah and you can <laughs> see that in the pit you know you can always yeah. see that in the pit there was like three yep. tiers of people in yeah. and around the pit you know there was the very yes. people just yeah. thrashing it out. Mm -hmm. There was the people standing on the edge, maintaining yeah. the border. So the people flying around flew into them, not the crowd. And then yeah. there was like, you know, like the ball, the ball grabbers from like tennis, you know, <laughs> who, who, who run in and swoop somebody up that, that falls down yeah. when stuff gets really, you know, and, yeah. and that, that was like, that, that was some crowd training right there. Like, honestly, yes, that, was, that was part of the culture. And uh, I had, yeah. I had a similar experience. Um, I got, I was in a crowd surge at a Misfits show one time, I think it was at the Chameleon mm. Club, and I just passed out standing up. Oh, and geez. They just, 
and, and I woke out, woke, woke up back in the alley. They took me outside. They gave me a bottle of water. Uh, Michael Graves was standing there eating an orange. <laughs> He's like, is this guy okay? <laughs> I mean, there was, there was people there to just take care of you. And I, oh, yeah, I don't want to get too much into my opinions of that astral world thing. Oh, Lord have mercy. As, Let me as, tell you. As, you know, you know, uh, just crowd maintenance and stuff like that. But also, you know, as, as a stagehand and, and seeing how yeah. that went. Very, very oh. upsetting. Very upsetting. Very upsetting. Our union, Our union. Yeah, honest to God, true story. Um, man, do I miss my union? I was a teacher. I miss it a lot. Um, yeah, very, very true. But it's interesting because you know, to your point, and not to get into it, of course, um, is like in those communities. I remember um, when I lived in Baltimore for a little bit. Um, the dude from Mastodon, uh, Troy, he was in another band called Social Infestation. My ex-husband was super into grindcore and I, I really like ended up loving it as well. Um, but I mean, it was just like, they're just normal people. I, and, and even doing this with podcasting, I never feel a sense of this celebrity thing where I feel somebody's too important to speak to because everybody's just a human. And I always felt that was something that was really, really neat to me as a young girl. Cause I was writing zines and stuff and these bands would let me interview them and they were pretty like important for like, you know, our, you know, little, um, you know, group of followers and stuff. And they were just always so cool. And always like, I was backstage all the time interviewing, like as a young kid doing a zine, it's just like, it always meant a lot to me. And I always hold on to that when, um, you know, I get like a little bit of fanning, like a little tiny bit, but I always try and, you know, really make people feel like what they're saying to me really matters because it does. And it's really powerful to treat everyone like humanely so I think that's an overarching theme that I took away from the my punk rock lifestyle <laughs> yeah for sure yeah so I was like a latecomer punk rocker who was like an empath and compassionate not like this destructive you know there's different you know well sure um, we go, it evolved so much you know there's I think um, I think you know the emotional attachment to it has a lot to do with that i mean yes. music is is healing arts yes. can be very very cathartic and i think people that you know metalheads are some of the happiest people you will ever meet i think people yes. that, that really, really attached to aggressive music um yes. you know anywhere anywhere in that spectrum from like punk to death metal or whatever you know i think they just have a comfort with uh, venting their anger publicly, you know. Yeah, like releasing I, I, or, it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yes. you know, similar with um, other stuff, you know, like I would compare that like back in the day, like the emo kids. Um, <laughs> where are they now? I don't know what, what they have uh, transformed into, but, you know, they were, they were, they were, they were kind of part of the culture, but, but also a little bit separate you know what i mean like there were some yeah. lines there but they you know they were fine with publicly sharing their their attachment to sadness or or displaying their, their sadness and and having an acceptance of embracing the melancholy so yeah. you know we're just it's just calling out what's there i love it i loved emo kids and emo um have you ever heard the band kind of like spitting Oh, no. it's gut wrenching. It's so good. My ex husband was super into all genres, and like I, I was introduced to a lot of stuff 
including grindcore, which I would have never probably found on my own. But um, yeah, it's, it's really, it's powerful music. I love it. But like Sunny Day Real Estate and stuff, you know, like this is big stuff. I loved Sunny Day Real Estate. Did you ever hear them? No, Sunny D? Sunny Day Real Estate? Sunny Day. Oh, okay. No, yeah. I'm, I'm probably a little older than you, I think. But um, yeah, I don't know. Or like our areas, we're into different things. But yes, indeed, we could talk for hours about music. But you are, in fact, Adam, a musician, yes. So tell us about, um, you know, I know that you have a, um, I suck at this, you have a band camp. So tell us about- No, you don't suck. You're doing great. <laughs> I'm like staring at your Facebook like, oh. <laughs> Tell us about your band camp and the kind of music that you make. Oh, I have a band camp and there is music that I make. Um, <laughs> so. Is that what's on your band camp or do I really suck? <laughs> yeah, this, I guess this iterate, I, um, I've been really focusing on, 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 on theater for yeah. like, the past 10, 15 years. So I guess the last time I was really into music was was a, a band I was in in college, um, and then just kind of it, it music just became a very personal thing for me mm. ever since then. You know, just kind of like it, I, I just just for enjoyment. I get to just play for myself. I don't have to rehearse for any specific goals or anything. Yeah. And over the years, I, I would still write songs. Um, and every now and then I'd play around with recording and then this thing, uh, came out called the coronavirus <laughs> and it, 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 like I say, it came out, like it, it became the only thing for a long time. It was really hip. I don't know if you remember it, but it stopped everything. Um, I wish I could forget. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> I had a lot more time to play music and a lot more time to, to mess around with recording stuff. And that started um, just a process of me becoming more interested in it and learning more about home recording and then buying like, you know, a, a nice microphone or, or whatever, um, interface and, and learning about the software. I'm not a big like tech computer guy. So that was, mm. you know, big learning curve. And uh, some of it got a little weird along the way. So <laughs> I've always been, my music has always kind of been punk rock, folky, kind of um, mostly guitar and vocals and usually acoustic nice. guitar. And then through the process of yeah, music on computers and just learning all this software and the future. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, played around with like samples, looping, and started making like elect electronic music, which I mm. never uh, really was an audience to. You know, I, I never really absorbed a lot of that. Um, but that has been very fun. So yeah, I, I've, I've, I've put out a, a couple albums in the last two years. Um, the first two in, in 2020 were kind of just like demos, you know, very rough. And then I think the next two were legit attempts at me trying to record music. And then um, this summer, I think, I put out my first uh, all electronic music. Uh, called Toki Tiempo and 
recently, uh, oh, just uh, in October, like right before Halloween, I uh, came out with another one, which is kind of like um, the soundtrack for a fake radio play that doesn't exist. And it's a combination of like electronic music looping, a bunch of organic instruments as well. And then um, like voice acting. So I kind of play these characters that are telling a, a story that doesn't exist to the soundtrack for it. Um, oh, wow. So yeah, things got a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> I love weird. That's amazing. I'm like trying to, I have to see that. I have to have a picture of what you just said. Like I have to draw it out and be like following all the like dots, you know? But yeah, that sounds amazing. I love that, that, one, that one. That one was a lot of fun. That one, that one's called That's uh, awesome. Nopia. Um, oh yeah, I just saw that on your fan <laughs> Um And awesome. I'm working on getting back to my roots, I guess you're supposed to say. <laughs> and uh, the next one that I'm recording is just gonna be a lot of um, just guitar and vocals. Oh, nice, that's awesome. Do you find as you get older, and I'm presuming you're relatively in my age group, I'm 40 now, so um, like I can't actually listen to punk anymore. Like I, I can't listen to it anymore. Like I was so immersed in it for so long, like like once mm. in a while maybe, but it's just like, it's hard for me because I'm like, it did relieve so much. And I'm not judging anybody who, you know, can listen to it on a very musical level, but like, it was so about like how I was feeling internally and like expressing that, that it's mm. difficult for me because it's almost like, like triggering kind of, does that ever happen to you with music? Oh, sure. Yeah. Sure, yeah. sure. Yeah. Uh, More like the memories attached, you know? Absolutely. You know, there's, uh, there's yeah. definitely some content, not just music, there's definitely content that I absorbed in the past that would be, you know, just, as they say, cringeworthy by today's standards, mm -hmm. even just, you know, from my own perspective as an audience uh, of even if I'm just enjoying, you know, uh, something in a room by myself, you know, that, yeah. that, that, that inner critic comes in, which I think mm -hmm. is still kind of you know, related to that, your relationship with rebellion at what, you know, mm. how, how much rebellion do you need at the moment? Um, so, but I, I think I have, I have mixed feelings on that because there's definitely some stuff that I will go back to and it's just always, you know, like, uh, like one of those for me is um, the Rancid's album that came out in like 2000. I think it was just like rented 2000. I don't think, um, like there are so many things, there are so many tracks on that CD, especially towards mm. the end that I would consider like universal. You yeah. know, I, I can, they just still really resonate with me. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's definitely other songs by that same band that I'll listen to today and it's like oh that's just very of the time and it didn't really oh, yeah. you know grow so it, it's, it's this weird thing with music you know some of it can be like completely ephemeral and only means something for a little bit and, and maybe it needs to go away after that or else the next audience won't understand the perspective or you know have right. any way of appreciating it and you can't blame them for that and, you know, you can have the same group of musicians 
create something that will stand the test of time. And then you have people that will completely disagree with me because, you know, it's such a... Sure. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I was just kind of wondering because because you operate, because just knowing like what you do and everything and 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 feeling like I kind of get a sense of how you are, um, just because um, I imagine that you're sort of, uh, this is what I think in my head, <laughs> that you're kind of um, like a sensitive person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, oh, sure. well, I mean, to be a, to be an actor, of course, and also some of the other things that you're involved in, um, with, uh, the Alba technique. Do I say that mm-hmm. right? I'm yeah, very interested yeah, in Alba discussing loading. that with you. Yeah. I'm very interested in that because, um, it's almost like for me, and it's not that punk music isn't amazing, but for me, like where it was in my, in my life, it was very much like, I didn't know how to express myself. So it was a way to express myself and like learn how to do that. So some of it is really hard to listen to. And of course, like you said about the content, like I, 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 I mean, I was, I, anyway, things that I've listened to in the past is just insane. <laughs> like thinking of it now, but I did want to ask you, I just wanted to um, rewind a little bit because we spoke, we touched on it very very briefly about you meeting Patrick in the Kutztown class and everything like that. So we talked about your, so your Pennsylvania Dutch on both sides, both sets of grandparents, I think you said, spoke it. Did you grow up speaking it and did you learn in the same class? Uh, were you with Ed Quinter? Let me ask. Yeah, yeah, with Quinter. Yes, yeah. I love him. He's so wonderful. That was, uh, uh, I believe, that was either my last year at Kutztown on my very last semester. Gotcha. Um, so I only had that one semester of the, of the language class. I didn't really grow up uh, speaking the language. I, I grew up saying words and phrases, you know, yeah. like, Hansch de was always there, Was is los, die is los. Or, um, I mean, it's it's just so ingrained. I can't even like think of the difference. Like, like every now and then, like gawkies, you know, like my parents would just throw out like the the Dutch word, and I just assumed that what it was, you know, like w- my mom would make eggs. She would always go making gawkies, you know. Or um, I never heard that before. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Is that like dippy eggs in Pennsylvania Dutch? <laughs> oh, dippy eggs. Well, God, we always call them dippy eggs. Oh yeah, we always call them dippy eggs. I have a dippy egg song too. You got to hear that one. Um, <laughs> forget what album that was on. I think that came out earlier this year. Um, but yeah, we always call them dippy eggs. Um, and to this day, I will, you know, vehemently argue with anyone that that says dippy eggs and sunny side up are the same thing because sunny side up, you don't flip it. No, it's gross. I can't even. If nope. you don't flippy, you need no dippy. <laughs> you got to be able to crack that, you know, little thing. Oh, yeah. My father is a dippy egg artist. That is the Aww. medium he works in. Like, he works in... That's amazing. Uh, yeah. Yolks it is an and, art. And, and, and anger, pretty much. Um, it is an art. So if, if, if he ever broke a yolk... While he was flipping it, everybody in the neighborhood would know. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. It is an art indeed. Yes. I've been in there before with like a spatula and like a flipper and just trying to not, not break it indeed. Yep. I'll tell you the secret. You got to get the spatula as like horizontal to the pan as you can. You got to get it nice and flat. You got to get in there yeah. sideways. 
Yeah. I think I just had like crappy like frying pans and stuff, you know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really I never was into the Teflon, so I had all these sticky ass. Well, you gotta get pans. cast iron. <laughs> Yeah, I have the cast iron now, and we're ve- we're vegans, so I mean, like, what's I do miss a dippy egg though. I just get really hungry. Talking oh about it. <laughs> yeah, 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 right. We don't eat the dippy eggs anymore, but oh boy, um, yeah. So that's really interesting because I also did not speak the language. My grandmother grew up speaking it, but lost it a lot of lost a lot of it throughout her life. But of course, with our generation, it's a very common um, narrative that, you know, our parents didn't really speak it. They weren't taught it and all the things, you know. So mm-hmm. I was just curious about that um, because I, from just watching your YouTube channel and um, seeing you perform and stuff, I get this feeling that you have a very um, sentimental feeling for the language, though, which is neat, you know. Oh, and absolutely. Like, and, it's, and it's like the, cause for me, too, it's like the accent as well for my grandmother it really is really yeah it's i mean it's you know people will will often agree how smell is is so keenly tied to memory mm. how you can smell something and you instantly but you know hearing the way people speak you know, I think that does the same thing too. And when I hear some like older person crack off with like that Dutch accent, I just look at them and I feel like I'm looking for my grandfather someplace, you know, it is, it is just an instant like synaptic response that is a feeling of comfort. Um, and that goes for the language or, you know, like seeing a flag or a bumper sticker or the food you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yes. So, yeah, obviously the 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 sentimental implications there are kind of uh, self-evident, but there's also I don't know if 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 you, if you felt this too, but um, people in my friend group and, and around my age range, stuff like that, I feel like in the past. 10 or 20 years, there's been a huge call for everybody to try to like get back in touch with their culture. You know, I I feel like a lot of people are moving from this um, idea of, of um, just a homogenized Americanism. Yes. Which kind of came about, I think, through the, you know, the, 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 the chains everywhere and everywhere, every town you go, like you can find, mm-hmm. you know, you, you can find comfort in a target instead of your own culture. And I think people are turning away from that a little bit or just kind of embracing a little bit of both and finding a balance. And for me, that has been a huge thing, you know? Um, yeah. And, and I think it was also with, um, I, uh, um, I lost most of my grandparents when I was young, like pretty much before high school. And then I still have my, my mother's mother. So my maternal grandmother and she loved when I would speak some Dutch with her. So that really um, made me want to just learn more. And then of course, like at the same time, like, you know, uh, Doug was coming out with his videos and stuff. And I, that, I, that has been so helpful. Um, yes. and just some of the other influencers that are coming out. Um, and also, he, he published his book in that time, uh, Schwet Small. Um, yeah. And I don't know, it's just been uh, an, an 
an interest and, and, and something that I feel a pull to do. Um, and that has started to kind of reflect itself in some of the things that I've been created, creating lately. You know what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. Like uh, with, with, with theater and like as a, a playwright, I've always been very interested in uh, stories revolving around the actual culture of like the Reading area and like our area mm. around here. Um, and especially with like Pennsylvania Dutch and uh, the different, you know, uh, Latin di- Latino dialects and stuff um, mm-hmm. and language play within that. Um, so that has just, I don't know, kind of teased me into slowly becoming a polyglot and a, a, a Duolingo addict. <laughs> <laughs> That's um, awesome. And then also I did study German. Uh, I took German in, in high school and in college as oh, well. Oh, wow. So nice. That does help a little bit with the, the Dutch, but... Um, Yeah, I don't know. Language to me is is it's very much like music, or it's very much like mm. like arts in some ways, or like learning a new instrument. And mm. I like I I really like that feeling. I like the feeling of being childlike and almost completely ignorant at the beginning of a process. Like yes, uh, I, I love getting new instruments, like musical instruments, having no idea what you're supposed. to to do with it and just playing literally playing mm. and i think that's important for adults to do yes indeed that can be your rebellion sure. rebel against a yes. mind. <laughs> well i'll tell you what i've struggled a lot with Spanish stage it's very difficult to learn so that's definitely but i i agree i love to learn like i just love learning new things i just i, I think if i had to stop learning i would literally going go insane honestly I really would Mm -hmm. so I agree with you on that that's really very very cool and I agree also that there's a huge um just this this generation uh like around our age and younger seem to be very very interested in reconnecting to their cultural heritage um and I think you know it's it's actually really fascinating um in the research that I've done I do feel my parents generation so like sort of the hippies you know they were born in in the 50s growing up in that in that era era um, this idea of becoming a melting pot was sort of their solution to like, you know, racism and, and, you know, World War II is sort of like this, this idea that if we all just kind of let go of everything and become the same, like everything, all our worries will go away. But really, it's really sad. And we lost so much in that time of, of our heritage and really to honor other people's heritages and think of us as a salad bowl, as one of my temple profs said that like a cucumber is a cucumber and it adds so much to the salad and tomato is tomato, you know, and this idea that- I like that. Yes, the salad bowl. And I'm like, hell yes, I do not want to be a melting pot because these, you know, people are taking ownership of their cultural heritage and not in like an aggressive or abusive way, but in a, a way to stay connected to themselves. I mean, really like, being grounded in your cultural heritage is is just really a pipeline from your ancestors to you and it's, it's the work that we've all been working towards and it's part of evolution. And I just feel really excited to see many cultures experiencing this renaissance of reclaiming um, 
their their cultural heritage. I mean, it's really exciting to see. It really is really neat. I think we're in a really cool time for this, and especially with the advent of social media and the World Wide Web. Listen to me, I sound like a granny. The World Wide Web. Um, the I think this internet thing is going to stick around. Yeah. I don't know. Do you think? I mean, <laughs> I do. I do feel really grateful, though. I, I mean, I know this makes me sound so granny that I grew up without it, though. I really do. I really do oh, feel absolutely. thankful because. Like we had privacy. I mean, even, you know, just within our family, you know, you could be out and like, you'd get in trouble when you got home, but like, so what, while you were out, like you weren't thinking about what mom was going to do, yeah. like, you know? You know something I was just thinking it's about so the different. other day, a random Tell thought me, that Adam. just occurred to me. Do you remember how people would just come over? Yes. Like, yes, and you I didn't do. even know it. You didn't know. Like at any moment, somebody could just be coming over and it was just like, yep. okay, you're here now and you come in, well, yes. you have something like, yeah, they wouldn't, they wouldn't call. Like they would just yeah, come knock on the you, door. And... Yes. And I'll give you some attention and like not be distracted and like, let's be present. And like, there's a beauty and boredom, Adam, you know, like if you're bored and then somebody comes over, like you find, or like if you're bored yourself, you find shit to do and you get creative. And that's like where you're tapping into this like inherent creativity. And like you said about working that brain muscle, like it's just, it's yeah. disheartening because, you know, I mean, children are changing and, and it's very hard to entertain them now because they can't entertain themselves. And this is a mom speaking with like creative ass children that are still so bored all the time. And I was like, dude, like, I don't want to hear it. Like go outside, like something like I can't, I was playing with worms when I was yeah. ready to get out of here. Like, dopamine goodbye. detox. Dopamine detox it's, is an important thing. Yeah. It's really, it's, and it's neat to have access to so much information at your fingertips but it's also there's always a need for a balance there's always a need for a balance and I'm excited I I have to be honest I'm very introverted I really really am and I got to a point where I was like fatigued from all of the shows and the folk fest the nine days of the heat but I am so desperately wanting that back so badly I miss it very much because you don't know what you have till it's gone right mm -hmm. and it's just I'm excited to be able to gather again um Chris and Doug are coming here to do a a um, show for me and and the site uh, for Grunsaw Dog and I'm just so excited to see them I just miss everybody very much and I'm like what who am I like what's going on but I miss my community you know absolutely yeah yeah it's just not the same online but it's close it's neat but it's it, yeah, that, it got us through it, right, Adam? It got us through it, but it's like kind Folk of- Fest is always the hottest day of the summer, too, or the hottest Dude, week of the it, summer. And, and like literally like the worst weather ever. There's been like, we've done it for like six years. Uh, no, my son's seven, so seven years. Um, and, and it's like the craziest weather. We've been there with like tornadoes. <laughs> it's like insane. But nobody can give it up because it's just, I mean, talk about linking us to like a really special time when those- three fellas put that together I mean really cool stuff so mm -hmm. uh, I'm excited to go back I'm excited to be there again I miss I miss it's like going to summer camp or like it's actually I always say and people get like, offended it's like being a carny and you're back with your like circus family yeah <laughs> it's really like that so we got to get you on stage there to do some kind of presentation theater I uh oh my I have some relatives, uh, the, the Blatts, they used to have the Blatts Dinner Theater there in Kutztown, uh, mm. which started because 
years ago, uh, I think this was part of the folk festival. Um, we did a musical called Plain and Fancy. Oh my gosh, I have know you ever that. heard of have you ever heard of Plain and Fancy? Um, I know about that through my, he's an archeologist in Virginia told me about it. He showed me the cover because when I was working on Asave and Sabina, which I said wrong. That's so cool. No way. Yeah, so this was a, a musical, I think from like the 1950s. I believe it was on Broadway for so, like yes. one year. Um, wow, I yeah, didn't know so that. A couple from New York is driving down to uh burden hand yes i think because one of them has a relative they're trying to sell a, a property or something like that so this this hip new york couple comes down and they stay with the amish and hilarity ensues that's amazing that's so kitschy i love it yeah. oh my god your family members wrote that oh no 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 um, oh, I thought you said your family. They were not, uh, uh, yeah, Blatt's, uh, the people that I'm related to, um, and, you know, Blatt, like a like piece of paper, you know, like and Blatt mm -hmm. or like leaf, you know, like, a, and mm -hmm. they, they also used to have a, a printing press in their basement. Oh, wow. Um, a couple houses down from my parents' house, and they always they printed out the programs for my church. And Amazing. I remember seeing that old printing press, and I, I kind of smelled oh. it like eggs a little bit or sulfur i guess oh um, I love it. so they 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 performed that show um, gotcha. and they also started a a theater which which uh, was in kutztown for a while um oh wow i forget who the who wrote the the book and music for plan and fancy oh that's okay no that's really <laughs> interesting though but let me just give a shout out to your parents too for signing you up for the dance classes it's really cool i know um, <laughs> i hear you no, for real, because it sticks out to me because it's interesting. Like we lived in Philadelphia and uh, the rock school is a really good prestigious ballet school there. And uh, they let boys come for free because they want to encourage boys to, you know, be part of ballet. And I know it can be hard and my son's taking classes and it's like, it's strange because it's still kind of like that. And it's like so ridiculous, but good for your parents. I mean, that's awesome. And for you for like, you know, not feeling any type of way about it, you know, so that's awesome. Yeah, thank you. That's really cool. That. Absolutely. I was a dancer then too. And it was like, we had boys once in a while in tap, but I, I, I love hearing those stories. It's really, and of course the, the darn play, Billy Elliot, right? I love that. Story. Oh yeah. Yes. I love that story. That's such a good one. <laughs> I'm just yeah, plugging that's a in. Really good, that's a really good movie. Yeah. I think they made it a play, right? Uh, yeah. It's all, yeah. It's a, I don't think I ever saw that version. I saw the movie version. Yeah, I did too. I but yeah, it is a very fancy. nice story. Yeah, it is. I love that stuff. So I want to touch on um, acting and Rad Scrapple, of course, and the Actors School of Lancaster, and, and also ways that people can reach out to you to um, uh, hire you or participate in your skill set, you know, um, with acting. Um, and then I really want to also talk about the Alba because I don't know anything about it, but when you told me about it, I was like, oh, sounds so cool. So if, if you could take all of that mumble jumble and like decide how you want to break that up. Um, sure. Yeah. yeah. So I've always been involved in theater and performance. <laughs> this is what I went to school for when I was in college, just pure happenstance. My college advisor, my academic advisor, um, 
was this woman named uh, Roxanne Ricks, who happened to have been one of the first Americans that ever learned this technique called Alba emoting. And she also became like a master teacher of this technique. And I don't know what the circumstances were, but she ended up getting a job at Kutztown. Um, wow. And I was fortunate enough to train with her. So uh, it was at Kutztown where I first learned this technique. So as an actor, there's all these different acting techniques. There's all these different opinions about whether you need to learn an acting technique as an actor, mm -hmm. what defines becoming an actor, blah, 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 blah. I'm sure it's like the visual arts, there's plenty of techniques, but you don't have to start with the technique. You can just start mm -hmm. and then you, you in, incorporate that in. It informs what you're doing. Same kind of thing with acting. But with acting techniques, all the major techniques, I, in my opinion, the biggest difference between all of them is their approach to emotional recall or how you bring on emotions that, how do you display emotions that you're not feeling as an actor? Mm. Um, so I was initially attracted to Alba because it's an emotions technique. It's not an acting technique. It's, you're literally learning how to actively engage your emotions whenever you want, at any level you want, um, with amazing precise control. And it really is, um, engaging your emotion. It's not just, um, you know, forming the facial expression of a certain emotion or putting your body in the posture of what happens during a certain emotion. You're actually allowing yourself to experience whatever you want, whenever you want, which... Can I, can I ask you a question real quick? Sure. I'm very curious. Do you have to... Now, this comes from my experience being... A, dealing with anxiety do you have to like disassociate do you know what I mean like do you have to disassociate like disengage your own like emotion that you're in at the moment I'm really curious about this the how you're speaking about this like can you parallelly parallelly be like going through your own emotion and then be also doing this technique or do you have to kind of like kind of clear your head sort of and and be sort of clear of emotion. I'm very, very interested. And maybe it's a different word than disassociate, but. Sure. So, I mean, yes and no, because we are very, very complicated <laughs> things. And, and you yes. know, we naturally, we, we kind of, if you, if you break it down, we naturally do what you just said anyway. You, you kind of said, yes, I do. Are, are we able to be in one emotion while thinking about another one? Dude, we're able to right? be in about 13 different emotions while thinking about 14 different emotions, what we're going to make for dinner, what yes. we said to somebody else last year, why we didn't stop to get that cat on the highway. Like, and, and then something else, and somebody's talking to us in real life at the same time. We yes. do all of that. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. All day, every day, Adam. <laughs> Alba is, in a lot of ways, uh, an option to choose a few of those instead of all oh. of them. So, first of all, uh, what we do is we start with safety. We always start with a point of safety. And 
there's usually, I, I usually know my students before I train them, or at least there's a bit of an interview process. Okay. Uh, I do not touch psychological aspects or life events or trauma. Or right. Yeah. Like that. Um, right. And if there is any of that going on with somebody that is not dealt with or processed, I usually recommend that they, they start with that yeah. and, and not approach ALBA as therapy. This is not, right. this is, I like to say that I'm, I'm, I'm like an anatomy professor. I'm not a surgeon. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? I can literally show yeah. you, this is your arm. This is your leg. Yeah. Uh, because in broad terms, people don't know those parts of their emotional body. Yeah. But I don't go in like a surgeon to fix anything. You know what I mean? Um, so that being said, we always start with a point of safety. And we start with a, a, a technique called neutral, mm. which is effectively a way to engage a state of emotionlessness. Yes, that's what I was um, wondering, yeah. So it's not exactly disengaging. Um, it, it's, 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 not, it's not disengaging from whatever you are or whatever you're carrying mm -hmm. that day as you begin the lesson. It's just kind of... Um, letting the waters still and coming to a point of calm. It's very, right. very much neutral. Sort of like meditation. Yeah, very much like meditation. Yeah, that's what I was wondering. Cause like when you meditate, you have to get yourself and you clearly like a person like me, I can never stop my mind from talking to sure. itself. But um, this idea of getting to a state of like, you know, to absorb an emotion that you're supposed to be you know, taking on, you'd have to sort of put aside, you know, the distraction. And I guess disassociated is not the right word, but mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm in a state of like sort of anxiety or panic, like I will just disassociate without wanting to. And I always wondered if like, not like in a therapy kind of way, but if like learning to build those muscles of like controlling that would ever help me in those moments. You know, it's really, it's just, it's fascinating to me because just learning to control, I, I think of the kind of acting that you're talking about um, and, and the kind of technique as like a way to really be quite in control of your emotions, which is really something that fascinates me. And I'm so jelly jelly. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it's hard. It's, it's tricky. It's working against habit. You know Ugh. what I mean? Because yes, I we, do. <laughs> however old you are, you've mm. spent that amount of time training your brain to go as fast and efficiently as possible. And then you want to yeah. meditate and be like, okay, brain, mm -hmm. stop. And your brain goes, what? No. That's not the training. That's not what you've been like, telling who are me to you? do. So, <laughs> but, but you can give a different training. So I like, I, yeah. I, I, I really like the analogy of like handwriting and stuff like that. Mm. Like controlling your emotions can be as easy as controlling your hands, which sounds, you know, it doesn't sound right because it's, people think it's very different, difficult to control your emotions or impossible. People think it's very right. easy to control your hands, but can you write 
with your non-dominant mm -hmm. hand as well as you can with your left hand? No. And how did That's... you know I was a lefty? How did you know? Um, how did you know? Science. I have no idea. No, ah! I just, um, so you must be a lefty. When, you, when it comes down that. to when are it comes you a lefty, down, Adam? No, I'm not. Are you a lefty? Okay, that's funny. Okay, when it comes down to it, go. when it comes down to the fine details of trying to control with finesse the things that you practice every day, mm. you know, you've been practicing handwriting one way. If you switch, if you try to switch to the other hand. You're not going to do it right away, mm. but if you practice that, it will get better. It's a skill to develop. It's not yeah. like a realization that you just have after somebody says something. Um, right. So, and similar to handwriting, when we were little kids, you know, most of us probably started with that really big pencil and the mm -hmm. really big lined paper. And that's exactly yeah. how we begin training with emotions. You know, you do things really, really big until you find it, the general idea, and then you bring it down to more control, more finesse. Um, and there are emotions that are not pleasant. And mm. there can be moments that don't feel good at first which is why we always start with like a place of safety a place of control um which was the bulk of me learning how to teach this technique um how to monitor people and keep them uh you know safe during this process mm. um, that's amazing that's incredible emotions are very very powerful thing and yeah i think most of us you know i i think there's a lot of uh just fear in general around emotions people are really really yeah. afraid of their emotions and i'm not sure they even know why um but there is a huge reason that we have them you know mm -hmm. we need all of them to be able to respond healthily to our environment mm -hmm. and they're not there just for us to be happy because we're always supposed to be happy and if we're not happy then obviously we're doing something wrong right right i'm trying to think of the name of the movie that movie a few years ago the pixar movie was really well done and i heard um the director be interviewed on npr and it was really fascinating stuff and i think i honestly i think the fear of emotions at least from my experience is based on you've been told to stuff them down and now they, it creates just this huge pressure cooker and it's really 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 um dangerous you know it's very dangerous so i love this idea of learning and i think a lot of people do learn this if they have good therapy um ways that they can control their not control like don't use this emotion but control it so it doesn't like blow up you know and i think this is really fascinating yeah. um but also just tying it into um, the craft of acting because it's such a mystery to me and I, something that I'm so interested in because I love arts and 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 theater so much but it's it's really fascinating how we can uh, reach out to you if they're interested or are you taking new customers sure. well I mean this is this is a huge area of of passion and study for me so I mean I can talk yeah. about just Alba and emotions for hours and hours me but too. we can actually we can totally wrap that up for now um, but I have, uh, 
um, a company that I'm, I'm doing the, the trainings under called Breathe Forward, which is kind of reflective of my, um, my beliefs of, the, of this technique and, and, and what it can do, you know, it, and uh, the breath and its connection with the emotions. I mean, most of ALBA is breath work. Wow. Um, and, you know, just the, the notion of using your breath mindfully to move forward through whatever you're in at the moment. Breathe wow. forward. Um, I, you know, things are still a little weird with, uh, you know, COVID just dropped that new album. Man. <laughs> Yeah, I called I call it COVID Omnivore yesterday. Um, I called it Omnivore yesterday to my boss. She's like, no, I don't think it's a meat eater, Raider. <laughs> well, I mean, we're meat. We're made of meat. Um, I'm so done. <laughs> but, uh, so yeah, classes have been kind of a little weird. Mm. I do yes. offer this um, virtually. Uh, I do, I do teach virtual sessions online but it is it's it, it is a barrier it is so mm -hmm. much better to learn this in person um it's just that kind of thing you know what i mean yeah and but uh, hopefully as things get better or at least we don't all die <laughs> i will be offering in-person classes again Hopefully next year, um, but I do very much believe in this technique, uh, you know, for um, for biochemical reasons. We kind of talk about not really teaching it to people under eighteen uh, because mm. you know things just you know we're we're working with our bodies and you know things aren't yeah. really set chemically or mentally. You know, at that yes, you, yes, yes, you know, <laughs> yes, um, yes. <laughs> but there are elements of just like talking about emotions and talking about mm. some breath work and stuff that I think should be should begin at like kindergarten, early education. Um, yeah. And this all leads into like mindfulness. I mean, geez, this even leads into like circulation and just like uh. breathe, breathing better so that, you know, like the breath is so important for us. And, and ultimately, I think the, the the biggest message I want to get out about emotions, if anybody only hears one thing that I say about them, is that they're physical. Mm. You know, everybody mm. gets so caught up in the, the mental, psychological aspect of emotions. When you're engaged in an unpleasant emotional state, look at your body, not your thoughts. Shaking, yes. What's your body doing? Focus yes. on that part. That is the, that is the lowest branch to grab, to climb that tree. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. I get, my whole body gets hot. Like I get like, it's very physical for me and it's really scary. Like I get scared. I get really scared. Not like not to emote, but like, like, mm -hmm. where are we going with this? Like, am I going to like legitimately have, like, I've had like blood pressure episodes where I don't have high blood pressure. And it's like, it's very, very true. It's very physical. It's very true. And that's why this idea of control not like in a in a like therapy way but just like being able to control through your breath I love this this idea and I know with therapy a lot of times for people that that deal with um, anxiety um a lot of breath work is done 
and also very interestingly enough, you're reminding me of my wonderful friend, Danielle in, um, well, she was in Philly with us, but she does laughter yoga and it's all based on mm. sort of these similar ideas because it's not laughter. Like you're being silly. It's laughter in like tapping into that part of your voice that can, um, help to calm you and soothe you. And, I, and it kind of reminded me when you told me about this and I was like, whoa, this kind of reminds me of what Danielle did. And it was profound. I did a session with her and it changed, like, I couldn't believe how effective it was for maybe people that don't necessarily like uh, have, have, um, what's the word I want? That don't necessarily have a great response to talk therapy and maybe like just channeling things or, or trying to, um, harness some control over your emotions. These, these ideas are very, very interesting and, and neat sure. to me. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, educators have known since we were children that there's different types of learners, oh. you know, visual, yes. auditory, kinesthetic, yes. you know, yeah. why are there not therapies that, you know, are kind of focusing on more than one of those? Yes. Yes. You know, well, um, there are, they just don't advertise them <laughs> because you can't make the money on the pills if you do it that way. You know what I'm saying? Oh yeah, no, you're right. I guess my, my question. How dare you're, you? You're right. My question should have been more: Why why aren't why aren't we as a people more attracted to the things where we can build a discipline instead of? Oh yeah, I absolutely am disgusted with the amount of snake oil salespeople and uh, shill gurus in the emotional awareness space um, and all the people are just attracted to it like moths to a light but yeah, they want a quick fix it's they don't not want to do a the realization work. it's a no 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 and my son has adhd um but now mm. we're homeschooling and now suddenly he's okay because he's free to move about and do things that he wants yeah. to do so it's it's fascinating stuff and i'm a recovering public school teacher so it's like you <laughs> know how you say it's that it's like listen for real because it's like you get put into the system where you're told to like obey and learn and do these things. And then you go forward through college and then you're now teaching this system to other people. And as a creative person and like an empath, it's painful as hell to watch like these kids. It's just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it like ethically mm -hmm. anymore, but now I'm in a great position where I'm a museum educator, so much more freedom, really a lot of freedom. It's very, very cool. So anyway, but enough about me again here, I told you. Um, but it's, it's fascinating to me, especially thinking about what you're talking about, thinking about my son, because he's also been diagnosed with autism, which I actually kind of believe. Um, and just this idea of he particularly has a very hard time harnessing his emotions and they get, I mean, like you would call it unreasonable in the Western world, um, these unreasonable responses, but trying to teach him in a very positive way, like you can control this and you can be in control of your body and your person. Cause a lot of times he'll be like, I'm sorry I did that. My brain told me to, and I couldn't stop it. And I'm like, mm -hmm. legit, he's like being honest. Like this is, we all go through this. We don't know how to explain it. And he's like doing a great job, but it's fascinating to me. And I agree with you. It should start at a very early age. Um, and luckily enough, there are people out there that do believe like we do. And there's wonderful schools. Uh, we were at a Montessori school that taught mindfulness. And it's it's wildly amazing to see these kinds of changes come about. So there's a lot of recovering teachers out there. So. But um, I love this so much, Adam. I hope someday that you'll offer a younger kid course, crash course, in um, some of these sort of more um, 
you know, uh, age appropriate, I guess you could say things because of the whole frontal lobe thing, which oh, yeah. I think finally developed at like 35 for me. <laughs> I was a little late. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing. I love it so much. So thank you for telling us about that. And I will make sure to link everything to contact you for people to be able to reach out to you as well. And I do think, although we're in this weird COVID, um, like stillness, uh, there's a lot of growth and, and work that can be done where we normally would have been so distracted, I think from life. And, uh, these are the ways that I ended up reaching out to Danielle and things like that. Um, so I think there's, there's a lot of room for growth during this, this still time. But, um, yeah, I feel like a lot of people have been getting back in touch with priorities instead of, yes. uh, you know, distractions or luxuries yes. or even just yes. convenience. Mm -hmm. I mean, I swear to God, like toilet paper has been a luxury this year. Like I will never forget being like trying to solve the problem of like, what are we going to do when this happens? <laughs> How are we and nobody solve? bought bidets. Dude, I have a, I have a dog hose for dog baths, right? And I used it to wash my kids' hair forever, right? And I thought, well, there you go. That's what we're going to do. This is our DIY punk rock bidet. We just get there in the shower go. and hose it off. <laughs> what will we be? Oh, my gosh. If we ever come out of this. Plunge on a stick. Story, That's all you need. The stories. The story, well, you know, we're Pennsylvania Dutch. I mean, all we need is some corn cobs, right? I mean, talk oh, yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. Oh, my goodness. Glory be. Um, all right. Let's. Let's talk a little bit about um, Actors School of Lancaster and Rad Scrapple and how you met the guys in Rad Scrapple because I just watched your COVID video uh, for the uh, vaccine and I was dead. That was oh, so yeah. freaking amazing. The and I was like, oh my God. And it's so, the nuances, uh, it's just, it's written so well, the stuff you guys do. Um, I just remember watching the one where, and I don't even know, is it, it was like last year and you're, it's like, you're sort of in a basement. Like, I don't know. <laughs> There's so much going on and I love it so much. But oh, I'm I tied loved, up. No, I don't think you were tied up. You were kind of like brooming and like arguing. Oh, that one. Yeah. 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 And I was just like, <clears throat> I couldn't look away. It was so, I love like, I don't know what you you people, you actors call it, but when there's like minimal acting, when there's minimal words or whatever, but you're using like, cause I'm a visual learner. So you're using like your body and you're, uh, you know, um, communicating in, in with facial expressions stuff. I love that stuff. So anyway, sure. tell me about Rad Scrabble. I can't wait yeah. to hear it. So we <laughs> use a combination of, it, it's essentially, uh, it's, it's kind of like a combination of a, a sketch comedy group and a theater troupe. Uh, we use it. We use a mix of scripted material and improv material, um, and we formed uh, earlier spring of this year, I believe, is when we oh. started Rad Scrapple. Rad Scrapple oh, wow. came out of the Actor School of Lancaster, which we began at the end of 2019 because we knew at the time that there was not going to be a global pandemic, so we decided to start a theater. Um, yeah. Uh, and then, so Rad Scrapple came out of actor school as our desire to continue performing in a time of no audiences. So mm -hmm. we, a group of theater people, not film people, started to figure out the process of filming ourselves. Um, and most of us are writers as well, you know, mostly short form, usually comedy. And we have a decent amount of scripts that we had on hand. 
Um, so that kind of just evolved naturally. It was like, okay, let's try this. Let's try filming this. And we just allowed that to kind of grow into a YouTube channel. Um, and then at one point this summer, um, I met a woman who is a, a, a venue manager down here in, in Lancaster. And she reached out to us about doing some murder mystery performances and hosting some other events. So we kind oh. of completely by accident turned into a little bit of a production company. Um, oh, wow. And actually we have a, a murder mystery performance coming up this weekend, which is the, the first weekend in December. I don't know what, when this, uh, when this interview is going to broadcast, but, um, and it's, it's a, an irreverent take of the, uh, you know, the, the Charles Dickens Christmas Carol. Ooh. And it's very, um, it's very cartoony, you know, our yeah. style is, is very uh, Looney Tunes humor, which, you know, is kind of very much old vaudeville, like Borscht Belt kind of East European, Eastern European humor anyway, um, mm -hmm. which kind of comes more out of like Yiddish uh, tradition. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I, I think the, the Dutchy humor is very kind of like, Yiddishy in that. I mean, I, I, yes. I, you know, you talk to Patrick, and he'll say something like, yes. "Well, the dialects both are, you know, came from the same area or whatever." Which yes. I, I don't know if that's true or not, but it just um, there's and, so many similarities. It's wild. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we've we've been having a lot of fun with that, and that's what Rad Scrapple is. And then, of course, <laughs> we had this um, absolutely amazing artist design our new logo which we're going to show to the world very soon thank you very much Rachel for I'm doing that I'm so excited I'm sorry I looked back at our message and was like oh my god it was like June this job has just ruined my life sorry oh that's fine do you know how long it takes to get a sandwich now like nothing works anymore nothing works anymore we don't have like cars or microchips I it's know fine. I'm Dude, I'm like the old ladies from the depression that are like hoarding shit. I'm like, okay, I said to my husband, because we're vegans, and it's like, there's a limited amount of things that we can make without a garden because it's the winter. And I was like, uh, so what should I order at this point? Because I'm freaking the fuck out, dude. Because yeah. I'm like, like shit production has been affected. Like manufacturing, like in general, like shit, like you wouldn't believe, like weird stuff. I'm just yep. like, we got this toilet paper figured out, so that's fine. But like, I couldn't get flour and shit. And I was like, no fucking idea what I'm going to feed these kids. We're going to have to start eating squirrel. Like, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we have tons of squirrels. Due to COVID, like, squirrel is now vegan? Well, no, it's funny because my grandfather, who was German-American, Papap, grew up very poor, you know, dropped out in eighth grade and, and you know, had a great life, built a great life for himself, joined the army, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, um, he totally would hunt like rabbits and squirrel and all these things in in his new home in Levittown in like the 50s and his family was like we can't do that anymore like he'd be eating ground dog and shit like you do what you gotta do you know what I mean like in Levittown Levittown like the not Levittown New York New York Levittown Pennsylvania oh okay yeah 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 there's yeah two. like the like the Levittown. isn't that like the 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 quintessential cookie cutter like uh yeah 
Yeah, yeah. I, I went to I went to school with uh, I went to college with someone from Levittown. He kind of described it like that. Yes, yes, it is the Great Experiment and the beginning of the suburbs and the Descendants suburban home. Yes, yes, yes. And he's that hunting groundhog. <laughs> yeah, because uh, he bless yes. his heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was a a neat guy. He was a neat guy. He was a really cool person. Um, I was blessed with really cool grandparents. Very, very neat. They definitely influenced me. But um. That's really amazing. I know for sure a friend of mine that would be super interested is Kuzu the Cartoon Magician. He's obsessed with, um, uh, what did you call it? Like Animaniacs or whatever? Not Animaniacs, Acme stuff. He, that's what his like, shtick is. And he, he and his yeah. wife attended one of these things. And I wonder if it was you guys. It was like in a tent. I'll have to ask them. That's so cool. Down in Lancaster. Yeah, I don't know where they were. I feel like they were. Oh, you okay. guys do it in a tent? We, um, one show that we did earlier this year, we did a murder mystery. I think it was that. The Conestoga oh, House. Um, the Conestoga House and Gardens, which is gorgeous. It's this place in Lancaster. It's like a mini Longwood Gardens. Uh, this was a mansion that was built by the Hershey's, um, of chocolate fame. And, um, I forget, was then passed on to, uh, I forget the family name, another wealthy Lancaster family. And now it's this, it's, it's well taken care of, it's preserved, the gardens are gorgeous. And it's just really nice to get out and go walk around there on a nice day. And oh, that's they've been, awesome. They've been very, very good to us as a venue and we're very thankful for them. That's amazing. Yeah, I was actually thinking about with the Alba, like, would you ever consider doing it outside? Because I'm just thinking, you know, outside was certainly super helpful um, in in the summer and spring, you know, to be able to do things outside. It was supposedly much more, more much, much more safe. So, I mean, I can imagine that would be kind of potentially a nice experience to do things like Absolutely. that Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. sometimes a useful step in the process, you know, depending on where you are and the time of year. Um, usually we start inside, mm -hmm. uh, but it, environment, yeah, absolutely. In general, is a big influence on learning this technique. You know, oh, so we so try to cool. we try to usually have it in like a nice space, stuff like that. And then you learn some of the it. it we we call them uh, patterns, effector patterns. It's a combination of breath, body tension, and facial expression. Using wow. these patterns is how you, you know, actively manipulate your emotions. Um, so it is very, it is a very powerful and sometimes different experience to uh, work the patterns outside in nature. <laughs> Whoa, did you say body temperature? Um, body tension. Oh, body tension. Because <laughs> I was like, wait, hold up, Adam. I'm signing up right now because I have, they're not technically hot flashes, but I go through these like like these heat ups, I call them. And it makes me freaking insane. Mm. <laughs> it's like, I've had everything tested. I'm not, I'm just like crazy. Whenever that um, happens, just out of curiosity, try to see what your breath is doing. Oh yeah. Cause I do have anxiety, but I'm like in the middle of something that I don't even realize that. Yeah. I'll, just I'll as do little, that. Just as a, a test question, you know, just be like, what's going on right now? And that's, yeah, that's, and the whole 
that's the that's the best part about i mean we don't usually know what we even are dude like i was just gonna say no idea what we are and this is a way for you to at least like look inside and see what's going on we talk about i just want to figure everything out yeah yeah we talk about internal inventory a lot dude i want to know everything i want to have like i want to know everything i can do possible to stay alive as long as possible (laughs) like my main goal i love being alive <laughs> oh yeah I, I, i've been really enjoying it so far <laughs> it's pretty good it seems to be doing no, good for everybody <laughs> so you said you met your friends the other guys in red scrabble please tell me their names um right now i'm just imagining their eyebrows because this this uh la- latest one with the scrapple um test or litmus test <laughs> right 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 um, Your one so, friend has wonderful eyebrows, and I was like, "Oh, look at those eyebrows!" <laughs> oh God, I'll have to pass that on. Um, Please do. Which one? <laughs> the one with the great eyebrows. Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh. I think they're. I like a bushy eyebrow, so I think he has lighter green eyes. I'm not sure what the rest of them look like. I was just looking at his eyebrows. Oh, okay, gotcha. <laughs> My eyes uh, are that, here, lady. <laughs> that was probably one of the Griffins, because there's two of them. Oh, there's um, brothers. What's that? There's brothers. No, they're not brothers. They're they're just both oh. named Griffin. <laughs> oh no way! I think meant the brothers Griffin, like their last name, their surname was Griffin. That's fascinating. Um, yeah. So there is. So the, uh, <laughs> basically, the, uh, the the core group is is myself and a guy named Griffin Yena. Um, he is also a very passionate actor and performer. He's from uh, Lebanon area originally. And um, he's, how did we meet? We were doing, we were both doing a production of Macbeth for the uh, Shakespeare Project, which is a great Shakespeare company down here in Lancaster. And after the show was over, we were just kind of talking and he let his mouth run off a little too close to me. And he's a younger guy, and he started saying, theater should be like this. As actors, we should be doing this. We should be doing this. And I got right up in his face, and I was like, I agree. What are we going to do about it? Um, So he's just somebody that we just kind of met and have a very similar belief in performance, what it means to be an actor, uh, the history of theater, all of these things. Um, And we wanted to start a theater the way people start a band. You know, I feel like Mm -hmm. there is a really unhealthy connection to professionalism in, Mm. in, in the mind of actors and, and theater people. And as soon as you start a company, you have to be a professional company and you have to have this blah, blah, blah. And I was like, what if we just got together and jam what if we yes. just practice I love until that. we don't suck and if yeah. we get good we'll do it in front of people just like we always did you know with a band yeah um so that's what we did uh and and with the actor school we have a focus on education because um i i i just have been so lucky to be exposed to all of the teachers and the techniques that i have over over my years of like pursuing theater um and i have a huge passion for 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 sharing that and also 
I just really believe in like generating community and mm. enabling artists to have a living where they come from so they don't feel like they have to go to some huge metropolitan area, totally lose their identity, yeah. uh, usually lose their soul in the process of trying to, you know, pursue their passion. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm, a lot of people want to kill me for this, but I think it's okay to be an actor in rural Pennsylvania. Same. I think there's people here that could be an audience if they just came out to something that wasn't like, you know, 42nd Street or SpongeBob yeah. the Musical, you know? Yeah, it's very true. Um, so I'm very, very passionate about like uh, realistic, naturalistic actor training. Mm -hmm. um, whereas most the most most acting schools that you'll see are either focused completely on children or musical theater or or just absolute industry stuff like mm. you know voiceover stuff or you know like um auditioning stuff like that which is all great that is all great but that means that there's a hole there there's there's just an opening for anybody that just wants to study like classical theater or like right. different theater styles or you know the history of acting or just get together and be total geeks about like theater <laughs> i love that idea of jamming yeah that's very very cool yeah and, and be able to take risks like i mentioned to you my daughter's really interested in acting and has been for a long time but, you know, she just saw it as like, I want to go audition, mom. And I was like, well, that's not on the table for you. I just, you know, that's just not on the table. And this idea that it can be like music and you can, like, enjoy the process of learning and experimenting and finding your voice, just like you would with an instrument, you know, you'd find your genre or, or mm -hmm. if you were voice training. I love that. That's very, very cool and very unique, especially. Sure just having been a parent looking for acting classes or, or, uh, you know, on, you know, on out school, we looked a while back. Um, and it's just really, it's kind of like dancing, right? So you have these dance studios that are set up for the big, the big, um, the big end of year event and the, 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 you know, the glitz and glitter of it all. And then you have sure. schools that are much harder to come by that are actually interested in dances and expression. And that's what it sounds like you're, school is more of that vein where you're actually interested in the craft and and having and having time to experiment and have fun because it should be fun right absolutely shouldn't be pressure shouldn't be pressure right away absolutely yeah, uh and, and, and both ends of the spectrum i i and i think i think theater and acting is so important for everybody so that on the two ends of the spectrum i would like to you know further the skill of actors for for people who are dedicated to that craft yeah. And I would also like to make something accessible to people who don't want to perform, they, but they just want to come out and play because yeah. just play, yeah. getting back in touch with play is so important yeah. for adults. And now that the, you know, they have things that have studies that have legitimized this, of course, the first way that it's applied is the corporations are like, okay, we're going to have play sessions at the beginning of the meetings because we have studies that show that it makes our employees more productive blah 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 but we can also just play for the, the sake of you know yeah. having enjoyment in life and and there's also a huge cathartic aspect to it 
-hmm. I really enjoy the, 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 the few times that I've done this before where you get people who are not actors, who are not theater people, you get them into an acting class and you have them do a scene like, okay, you tell us how your day was at work and let's rework something, maybe an argument that you had with somebody else and it helps people emotionally process the things that are going on in their life to, and it just helps you move on. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've seen that happen so many times and it's beautiful and it's therapeutic yeah. and cathartic and it's organic. And that's the reason that I'm passionate about theater to begin with. You know, I think acting theater is, it was the original mirror. It helped us inform who we were as we mm. were beginning to be people, as we were beginning cultures, because there's plenty of evidence that we had ritual and ceremony and what was early theater before we had writing and history. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah this has always been with us. And, you know, as an art teacher, too, it, it's profound to me as well that it's one of these expressions of creativity that doesn't require materials or, or anything. Nothing, sure. you know, it's, it's part of the inherent imagination and and the inherent joy in play it doesn't require materials you don't need a desk you don't need a pencil and that's neat i mean i love it so much and i think um i did notice on uh maybe your facebook that you had done um work with children's group i know it's difficult to work with children especially during covid um but i think you know even in just talking about like getting in touch with our emotions it's so interesting just through acting like what you were talking about that beautiful exchange and like seeing somebody model how to react to something and you're like whoa like it's just like this profound moment like oh I guess I could have done it in that way I'll often because I am like an HSP which is a highly sensitive person I'll be like super focused on how somebody's reacting to something and thinking the whole time like how I would have reacted and that informs how I'll react the next time and I'll be like recalling that person and I think this whole process of like you know like having a tribe of people that help you become better. I just, I just love all the things. So Adam, I'm signing up, but <laughs> you're in Lancaster, right? So where are you based out of? We talked about you grew up in Berks County. Um, you love Reading, but you are in Lancaster, are you? Yeah. I'm in I Lancaster know. right now. Funny, funny story. I am across the street, literally from Angry Young and Poor. Oh, really? Um, I don't know if you're familiar with that store, <clears throat> but they're, uh, they've been here like, I don't know, since the early 90s, I guess. They are a huge uh, punk store in the like the yeah. local punk scene. I just always remember all the uh, the more, you know, fashionable kids. I was kind of like a Goodwill kid, I guess. But yeah, I, all, the, all the more fashionable kids that would go and buy like the cool punk stuff. They'd come down to Lancaster and go to Angry Young and Poor. They'd always talk about it. Oh, yeah, we're going to Angry Young and Poor this weekend. This was a place that I always wanted to go ever since I was a teenager. Wow. I've lived across the street from it for four years now and I went there once. <laughs> and I, I, I've been here for, I've lived here for a good two years before I even made oh. it across the street to go in. Oh it just, you know, I don't spend a lot of money on myself. Um, <laughs> same, 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 same. I know. But yeah. So I'm not, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I was just saying same. That's why I'm pinning the top of my shirt because the freaking bow thing fell off. So yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm down in Lancaster right now. Okay. Um, and but I I, I, I kind of travel. Um, I, I've been working at uh, Penn State Berks this semester. I'm oh, also nice. uh, 
uh, a carpenter. So I've been the, the tech director and, and designed the set and built the set for their show. This uh, it just opened last night, actually. That's awesome. Um, and so I'm kind of between Lancaster County and Berks County a lot. Right. Um, over the years, I used to I, I used to live down by like Norristown, and mm -hmm. like uh, worked in Philly theaters a little bit for a few years, um, trying to advance my career, and really finding it just was not my speed. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I, I I think it's so important. I, I can think of all the assemblies that I ever saw in elementary school. And I can think <laughs> of all the times when I was so little and I was ever exposed to theater, how important that was to me. And I can't imagine young people in this area not having access to that. And I actually used to do, right after I graduated college, I, uh, I I sustained most of my income from a company where I was doing a lot of uh, school assemblies. Oh wow! And then Sandy Hook happened, and that stopped, mm. and just never mm -hmm. came back. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of, and, and also uh, with like uh, national endowment funds drying up, mm. there's a huge lack of that in mm -hmm. public schools um, mm -hmm. and i think that's the most beneficial work that i have ever done the mm -hmm. some of the shows where i've gone and performed for for people and it is usually you know middle school or high school and there's that one kid that doesn't mm -hmm. look like anybody else Mm -hmm. And he's always looking down or he, he or she, whatever, they're always looking down. And then all of a sudden, like they're in front of this assembly and they're just the only one looking up. Mm -hmm. And it's that direct connection that is, is it's so important. Because um, mm -hmm. without that, you know, that, that, that's what makes us exist as performers or, you know, that that is your audience. When you find your audience as a creator, whatever you do, mm -hmm. like, you know, you create a piece and somebody go, somebody sees it, they go, I love this so much. I need to buy this from you right now, Rachel. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. when you find mm -hmm. your audience, like that, that's what you exist for. And if only for a moment, mm -hmm. that's what your job is. Um, mm -hmm. So I think there's plenty of people to go off to other areas. I'd like to stay in this area and. Uh, yeah. And invest, reinvest in, it's like the cycle. And it's interesting because it's reciprocal too. Don't you think Adam? Because not only are you almost like a lifeline for that person and and introducing them to something but they're also feeding you because i know for me mm -hmm. like you mentioned when people like my work it's not an ego thing it's just being being a, a sensitive person and, and just being a creative person a lot of times we're really kind of hard on ourselves and it's not like an ego thing it's just like i literally make the work that people have told me they want to see you know and it's like it's definitely driven the direction of my work. And I'm sure you can identify with that as well, where the response you get, like I could never be a fine artist. I could never just make art for myself in a, in a fucking bubble. Like I tried to, and it just like, mm -hmm. it was cool. It was an experience that I needed to go through to work some shit out or whatever, but like, I can't exist in a bubble. Like I need, and it's not that I need, like it doesn't give me confidence, but it just fuels my 
excitement. It keeps me young and, and excited and engaged and playful, you know, to like see people get like connect to things that I've made. It's a really profound experience. And, and it's, and I agree with you so much that it's like, it's funny because when I was at Kutztown for my MFA, they were obsessed with being a global designer. Right. And I'm like, nah, Ugh. like I, I'm like, nah, dude, like I am in Pennsylvania. I'm never leaving again. I left for a little while and I'll never leave again. And I said, no, I want to invest in the people like my core community needs like a graphic designer that can do this kind of work. And I had it out with my professor who was Pennsylvania Dutch, very self-hatred lady. But um, oh, I just was yeah. like, I'm like, dude, I am not going to become a designer for like a Chinese company. Like she was saying, you have to be able to design for people in China. And I was like, no, I fucking don't. Like, fuck you. Like I'm 35. Like, fuck you. I just you know. got here. Dude, I'm like, I'm here. I'm doing this. Like we're in Pennsylvania Dutch country. Like how dare you be in Kutztown at this university and talk to me this way? How dare you? So no. it was it was quite an event, let me tell you. But um, I got a lot of support from other professors, thankfully. And um, it's really exciting. I agree. I want to invest in this area because my mom left um, for mm. really, really valuable reasons. Um, she grew up in Boyertown. There's a whole litany of reasons why she left. Uh, she wanted to raise her kids in a diverse place. Bless her heart. Sure. I'm really proud of her. But um, you know, this is my ancestral land and it was calling me. Like, I don't get called to Germany or Wales. I get called to Pennsylvania. Like, Oli is like ground zero for me. And like to invest in this community, it's so important to me. And I love to hear what you're saying, especially as a creative. Like, it makes me so happy to hear this. So Adam, I want to thank you so much for your time and also for sharing this. This is so wonderful. And please tell us um, how people can reach out to you and, you know, you know, get lessons from you or um, support you guys in the ways that we can support you. Um, I'd sure. love to have you shout out. Absolutely. Thanks. So yeah, you can check out any of our socials. You can check out the Actors School of Lancaster or Rad Scrapple on yes. Facebook, uh, Instagram, and YouTube. Uh, definitely check out the Rad Scrapple YouTube. That's where we have all our videos. Um, there's also the website for the Actors School is the words are switched around just a little bit. So the name of the company is the Actors School of Lancaster. But with the title of the website, we didn't want those two L's together. So we switched it around to Lancaster Acting School. So that's LancasterActingSchool.com. Okay, you got it. I'll make sure to link it too in the show notes. And other than that, you can just also find me personally on Facebook or Instagram, Adam Kissinger, not Adam Kinzinger. Um, everybody on Twitter, I don't use Twitter much, but everybody on Twitter always tags me with these Adam <laughs> Kinzinger posts, who is I, I like a Republican senator or something oh, like that. Oh, no, so that's the worst. I had to change my tagline on Twitter to I am not Adam Kinzinger. Um, that's so yeah, don't follow him. He has enough supporters. Come check me out. And, Honestly. you know. <laughs> Sorry, somebody was just telling me that there's this lady named Rachel Yoder who wrote this amazing book, and now people keep thinking it's me, and I'm like, it's good. If it's amazing, I'm happy, but that's the worst when you get mixed up with somebody that's awful. I'm so sorry to hear that, Adam. Uh, that's okay. <laughs> so, um, no in-person uh, lessons happening now? Like, how can people, um, well, how is that working? 
I'm, I'm keeping an ear to the ground once again. Yes. I yes. just yes. recently, like last month, um, my, 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 uh, with, with the, the show opening last night, my schedule is about to open up a lot in the next couple of weeks. So I have been, uh, advertising that I will be taking on more students. Nice. Uh, at this point, I'm just, you know, holding back, seeing what's mm -hmm. going on with our, our wonderful friend, Omicron, Omicron. Uh, Omnivore. How many, <laughs> how many times we have to go through the Greek alphabet before, <laughs> you know, I don't know, things are good again. Um, so I am, we don't really have any in-person classes coming up. I'm really hoping by the spring, because uh, I also like to be just a hermit during the winter, even though we haven't like, really had like a Pennsylvania winter in a while. Yeah. Um, Same that's though. just kind of you. my natural ebb and flow, you know what I mean? Yep. Um, yep. But reach out to me if you're really interested. We can talk about doing some online sessions or figure out a way that we could meet in person, even doing private sessions. Uh, you, I have space. I've often had students come over to my apartment as long as you're not allergic to five cats. <laughs> That's quite a lot of cats. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, we have, uh, we have plenty of kitties roaming around. That's amazing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, that's really exciting. And I really do want to get you in here. Um, I'm actually working on summer camp right now. I'm doing Pennsylvania Dutch days. So like a lot of local schools would do a whole week long of Pennsylvania Dutch um, cultural uh, learning. And now they don't have time because of Common Core, blah, blah, blah. I hate mm. it. But anyway, I'd like to focus that um, for our summer camp this year, which I do think will probably be in person, hopefully. Uh, summer seems to be a good place. A, good time. So we will talk about that too. That would be really fun to have you come over because I think for me, it's just like screaming kids need like just to be in your presence and have some fun. I would be really, really super cool. So we will talk about that later too. That would be really fun. Absolutely. I'd love that. Oh, it's really nice to sit and chat with you, Adam, and get to know you better. And uh, thank you so much for all the things you do. And thank you for staying with us locally and, and continuing to reciprocate you know, the uh, experiences that you had that were positive and build our, build our community up and, you know, invite others in. And we just really appreciate and value the work you're doing. So thank Likewise. you so much, sir. Thank, thank you, you as so well. Much. And let's just, you know, keep up our own little rebellions. Indeed. And you have to come back on in some time and we will catch up again because there's a lot more to talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> awesome. Sounds good. All right. Max Gut. All right. Do all. Thank you.